Hi, Dr. Phil Flox here, also known as John Billingsley. I volunteer for the Hollywood Food Coalition. We serve terrific meals to the unhoused seven nights a week. We assist a hundred nonprofits with their food needs. We work with community partners to address food insecurity in Southern California. If you're in LA, come and volunteer with us at hofoco.org slash volunteer. And any Federation credits you can spare go a long way. The Trek Geeks Podcast Network is proud to have Fansets as its presenting sponsor. Fansets is the place for amazing pin collectibles with over 400 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases every month. Stay tuned for a special discount code good on your next order at fansets.com just for discovering Trek listeners. Fansets. Our pins have character. A clash of intellectual titans on the show, an admission, and a difficult choice. Season four of Star Trek Discovery continues to boldly go this week as episode five shows us the very dish definition of a classic Star Trek episode. Stamets deals with a super scientist's ego while Burnham faces a difficult decision on an odd request from a colony prisoner. Set a course for the 32nd century, everyone. My name is Dan Davidson, and we are Discovering Trek Discovery. Welcome one and all to Discovering Trek, the Star Trek Universe Companion, presented by Fansets. Episode 5 of Season 4 was not at all what I was expecting. A brilliant episode that got us back on track with the DMA, while at the same time telling a story that has been at the very core of Star Trek episodes for decades. With two very strong plot points both on and off the ship, the episode still found time to have some amazing scenes between Culber and Kovic, and even a glimpse of problems to come regarding Zora? Maybe? Well, as you can tell, we got a lot to go over, so it's time to welcome my esteemed colleagues to the roundtable. First off, joining us from the Great White North, it's the wonderful and cheerful Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Hello! And her dog, Frank, which... Mm -hmm. Woof. Ran up. Yes, absolutely. And up next, from clear across the very United States, all the way from the Golden State, it's the ever-indulging Casey Shasky. What up, dog? Hey, everybody. Okay. <laughs> and last but certainly not least, he's only six minutes away from where I record each and every week. And uh, thanks to the pandemic, I've actually seen him in person as many times in the past two years as my other two co-hosts who are over 3,000 miles away. So that's going to tell you something. He is the wonderful and too close for comfort, Bill Smith. Hey, buddy. Good to have you here. Wow. I am really good at reading comprehension, and I see what you did there, and I don't like it. I don't care. Um, we got a lot to talk about, though, so uh, let's fly. Black alert. Black alert. From here on in, folks, this episode of Discovering Trek contains spoilers. So if you haven't watched episode five of Star Trek Discovery season four, stop listening right now. Head on over to Paramount Plus or wherever you watch Discovery. Watch the latest episode, then head back on over to Discovering Trek. Failure to do that puts you at risk to find out plot developments and character details for the examples. Episode 405 of Star Trek Discovery, The Examples, is written by Kyle Jarrow and directed by Lee Rose. 
Burnham and Book race to evacuate a group of stranded colonists in the anomaly's path as one of the Federation's brightest scientists comes aboard the USS Discovery to do high-stakes research with Saru and Stamets. Originally released on December 16th, 2021, it is the fifth episode of Star Trek Discovery's fourth season. Trainees, to the briefing room. Well, guys, as we gather in the briefing room, as we do each and every week, let's get a very high-level uh, thumbs up or thumbs down and why. And I'll start us off. Huge thumbs up. Best episode of the season by far for me. Everything about this episode, everything was just fantastic. I absolutely loved it. Casey? I hear you, my friend. Two big thumbs up. I think this was a, a very beautiful episode and beautifully haunting in certain ways. Loved it. Awesome. And Sarah, what do you got? Oh, man. Thumbs up, big toes up, arms up, hands up, all of the above. Standing up. It was great. I loved it. Um, probably my favorite so far of the season. Bill, you with us? Yeah, I absolutely am. <laughs> I'm going to round out the uh, the dais and say this is the best episode of the season so far. It does. Uh, the last couple of weeks, we've talked about how Discovery has hit sort of a, a DS9-esque era of storytelling, where it advances the plot, but tells some really good Star Trek stories. And and this episode does that in spades. So two enthusiastic thumbs up for me. So that's four enthusiastic. Uh, can we all say that it was the best episode of the season so far? I think three of us did. Did we all agree with that? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, it was it was fantastic. I loved so much about it. Um, I loved all the reviews on on social media. It seems to be um, uh, universally accepted as one of the best episodes of Discovery this season, if not for maybe the entire run of the series. Um, it was just that good. And and for me, there were there was a lot of stuff that I really liked about this episode. But one of the things that I found questioning, but in a good way, is um, book. I'm going to start off with Book tonight with uh, with my comments on what was going on in the episode. You know, the more Book joins the crew on away missions, the more I think it's a mistake. He's got a lot going on. His planet was just destroyed. Um, he can have his opinion on what's going on in a, on a particular away mission, but if he's going to constantly question orders and ideas, it's going to get really old real fast, not for just me, but for the captain, I would think. He's not Starfleet. Um, he doesn't really, I mean, the relationship aspect can put kind of a, uh, a twist on what's going on because she doesn't want to say no to Book, but Burnham's got to be captain. Uh, the comment that he made at the prison when he just said this is wrong under his breath as they were leaving it it, it aggravated me I, I was like okay this isn't the book that i know and love so that was one aspect of the episode bill that i thought was uh, incredibly interesting and frustrating at the same time that didn't frustrate me because i mean we've heard kira do similar things in the in the scope of deep space nine um i appreciate his honesty in that moment because he's not wrong um, I, it is wrong, but unfortunately it's also right. And that's, I think the moral ambiguity we get there. My fundamental problem with how they're arcing the book character this year, I understand the loss that he suffered, but honestly, I don't understand why he's on the discovery aside from the fact that he's in a relationship with Michael Burnham, um, why he just walks into Federation meetings at, at HQ, mm. why he seems to be part of strategy. If he's a... I envision him as more of a Neelix style character, and I don't mean, you know, guy who cooks and, and, and provides merriment, but more of a guide in sort of that era for Discovery. And I feel like as far as the where they're arcing the character this season, I feel like that's missing the mark a little bit for me. 
I agree with with what you said. I, I, I think when if I would if I would to counter argue what you said in regards to Kira, it makes sense for Kira to do it. She's the first officer of Deep Space Nine. It's her job to call out the captain when she has disagreements and wants to to do something about it. Yeah, she could be brash. She was a former terrorist and she was part of the Bajoran militia. But I think it's a little bit different with this dichotomy of what's going on with with Book and Burnham. Um, and I think Book is only there because he's got a cool ship that can change shape, Bill. I, I don't disagree <laughs> with that part. I, I think it's in character for Book because Book is all about empathy. And uh, somebody who is a, a being that exists in empathy is going to call out when something is wrong. It doesn't matter if he's a Starfleet person or not. He's kind of got that connection with Burnham. And I think that's the only reason why he does it. Let's stay on the on the topic of of book, Sarah. What are you going to say about what happened? Not only with that scene, but what do you think is going on with book so far? What we've seen in season four. Um, I'm on your side, Dan. I didn't like the way he behaved, and I'm I'm kind of mad at him. I, and I don't like being mad at book because I like book, but I'm mad at him. I don't think it's appropriate for him to be on the side of the captain at all these events. I don't think it's his place to be questioning her decision. It wasn't an easy decision. It wasn't an easy moment to be caught in and his under the breath comments aren't helpful. Um, and I, it frustrated me too. I didn't like it. And I, and I worry that this is going to be a sign of, things to come because obviously his character has gone through something traumatic and it's shaping his way of dealing with things or communicating with people. And I'm like, Oh no, if this is maybe like a hint at more, like ah, it's what's going to happen. I'm going to have mixed feelings so many times now. Yeah. You got to wonder if it's going to affect, it's going to start affecting their relationship at mm-hmm. one point. I mean, we already saw it in episode two with what he was dealing with and what, what Michael was going through with that. Um, Casey, what do you think? Um, do you think he was doing the right thing? Do you, are you agreeing with Bill or do you agree with Sarah and I on how things were done on the uh, colony surface there? Um, I, I think he's doing what's right by him. And so on this, like, you know, I, I counter some of the, the other discussion and agree with some of it, is that, I mean, a huge portion of this season is pivoting kind of around this character. It was his home planet that is destroyed, okay? Um, and so you can't sideline a character after making his suffering by the anomaly kind of a catalyst for the season. That's a good point. Okay. Then, and, and what he's able to do is bring a different perspective to the literal antique people on discovery it's 900 years later there's there's some differences going on so what i'm seeing he's doing so far i haven't seen him like disagree with burnham publicly like on the bridge there's there's the more intimate things and in those scenes where he doesn't fully agree with her and i mean we're getting into a thing where it's a tv show you must have drama (laughs) there must because if everybody agrees we're bored to tears. But it's odd, like you said, Dan, it's odd on certain things that have happened during the season of like, why is he on the bridge? Why is somebody who is from, you know, the former Emerald Chain little colony there able to just walk on the bridge with no security, no detail, nothing, and just comes on and and it's like, you know, Burnham is quite strong and, and stands her ground. But it's like there's these very interesting decisions being made. And I, I keep wondering, is it are they trying to keep having Booker represent us kind of as the audience? Are, are they trying to see is this um, 
when people refuse to change or try new things or listen to new things, new cultures or whatever, is, you know, what happens there? Or is this like another side of what everybody through COVID has been going through where there's so much turmoil inside that you might not find um, the quote appropriate unquote time where things come out and you just, and you start picking fights with the people closest to you. I don't know what's happening there. I guess we'll find out as the season goes on. I, I do like the point, Bill, that you made that um, it's interesting that he's just allowed anywhere. Uh, he showed up at that meeting at Federation headquarters last week. Um, you got to wonder if it's because he's the only survivor of this planet. They're giving him a little leeway. I guess we'll find out as, as the season goes on. But uh, Bill, what do you find? What do you think about this episode that stuck out for you and uh, what were memorable moments, so to speak? You know, I have to say, you know, since we've been talking about book, let's talk a little bit about Burnham. Um, because I mean, she's obviously the captain now, and I think it's time for her to sit in the chair a little more. <laughs> Every week, Burnham has been leading away missions and taking the most high-risk action, very much like Kirk in a way, in that sense. But this has been a theme for this season so far. You know, we've talked about Michael Burnham being a responsibility hoarder starting last season, and I think that she's hoarding all the wrong responsibilities. I think Starfleet should be driving this home. Like, look, you are the commander of this vessel now. Um, you have a crew. Let them crew. Right. Um, that That's kind of just me, though. I, plus, plus, she seems to be able to fix every technology, magi technology magically in every episode, and that's something else I have a hard time with. So uh, everything seems to come way too easy this season, and that's I, I don't like the trend. If I have one thing to complain about, and complain I use very loosely this season, yeah, it's that. I wasn't here for you guys when you talked about the episode where they saved the race of beings that had like latinum in their system. But that mm -hmm. was the thing that I, I, I would I would have given that episode a thumbs down. It's my only thumbs down of the episode this, uh, of the season is that episode. And one of the reasons I did is because she was able to understand their language, their technology, and fix the problem in like 10 minutes. And that, yeah. I'm sorry. That just that just is that just not that just doesn't work for me. And you're right. She did the same thing with the exploding beagle uh, beagles beetles. Uh, <laughs> oh God! Uh, Killer big, dogs. With the, no. with the flaming saws uh, on the on the colony surface. So yeah, I do agree with you there, Bill. We never saw Picard go on away missions this much in the whole seven seasons. Yeah, and she's been on four out of five. Yeah, I think. <laughs> so uh, you know, week one, uh, you know, uh, she she's doing the 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 jumpsuit, you know, the the space mm -hmm. flight. Mm -hmm. It's like, come on. Yeah, this, you you got people who can do this, Burnham. Right. Let right. them shine. So, um, do you want me to go on to my next point, or do you? Yeah, want to, uh... actually, let's see, Sarah. What do you think? Uh, do you think that uh, that Bill's right in regards to Captain keeping that butt in the chair? Yes, I'll sit. say it to her. Sit, sit, <laughs> relax, put your feet up if you have to. No, I I I, I totally agree. I did like the last um, scene though when she was telling the Sovereign Majesty just about like this is my ship. You know, you're, yes, you're yes, in my house yes. now. I'm in charge. I really liked seeing that. I want to see more mm -hmm. of that. That um, was awesome. I don't like to compare Star Trek series to Star Trek series. I never do. They're all their own independent things. But listening to you guys talk and and paying attention to Michael Burnham, I can't help but compare her captain role to the other captains and stuff that she's doing. I can't picture, like, imagine, like, Captain Picard with Bosch right there next to him, like, helping, like, no, it's just, like, with the book, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And I just, or Neelix even being that much more involved with Janeway in the, I don't know this region, but you do. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, there's just certain things that I'm like, okay, well, 
uh, yeah, I mean, I, I like her as captain, but there's a lot of growth and, and um, yeah, there's room to grow. She's, 100%. She's, she's had command um, things going on for a while now, but it seems that she still has a lot to learn about being the captain. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and, you know, I, we're all watching at the same time, so maybe we'll see, we'll see that growth. Bill, what else you got, bud? Um, I can't decide if I like Ruan Tarka or not. I mean, don't get me wrong. Sean Doyle delivers a fantastic performance. I've wanted to see him in Star Trek for so long. And I actually, I could have seen him as a, a series captain, but that's another story for another time. Mm-hmm. But as far as this character goes, he seems to be part Elon Musk and part Tony Robbins, both of whom I think are just bat guano crazy. <laughs> um, yeah. And judging from the thing on his neck, I really want to know more about his time in an Emerald chain camp for sure, because that's got to be what that is. I got to tell you, when Mm -hmm. I saw it, I had to rewind it like three times because I'm like, is that the mark that the alien symbiotes had at the end of one of the TNG seasons with the, when the, and it wasn't obviously, but, but I was like, oh, wouldn't that be quite a curveball if something like that were to happen? But yeah, people online seem to be in agreement with you, Bill. That's an Emerald chain mark. Book yeah. certainly recognized it. Something's going to happen. And to build off of what you just said th- about Tarka, this egomaniac scientist trope in Trek has been around since Richard Daystrom. And it has, n- it, for me, it has never worked as well as it has with Doyle's performance. I mean, he's just he's just so in love with himself. It's just fantastic. He is hiding something. There's no shock there, as, as you said. Um, but his method for getting things done, I really appreciated, especially that screaming moment between he and Saru. I thought that was just great because I don't think anybody expected Saru to have a set of lungs like that. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty awesome. I, I really like the character. I, I like the character, but I don't like the character. I'm kind of like where you are, Bill. Yeah. He's very cool, and Doyle was is phenomenal, and, and I thank him for responding to my tweet because it made my day but um yeah he's we're gonna see more of them and i can't wait to see what happens sarah yep i mean i I think we're all on the same page about what stood out to us in this in this episode because that was the other thing that stood out for me was just the scenes of tarka with stamets with throwing a little reno there in the corner there was just this like chemistry of humor and suspense and frustration that i think they all worked well really well together and i really enjoyed the scenes and it left me a little bit like uneasy of like should i like this guy should i not like this guy can i trust him like it's just a character that you you meet people like that in real life and you don't know if you want to hug them or hit them like there's just something about that you know cocky but but makes good points too that you're like oh gosh you do know what you're Speaking doing. Speaking of hugging or hitting, Bill, I have a question for you. Mm. <laughs> you have talked in the past about you're not sure about the character of, of Tig and what she's doing on Discovery. What did you think of what she gave this week? I just want to correct you real quick. The character of Reno. Well, I, I love sorry. I say I, I love say Tig, Tig Nataro. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, yeah. I don't love Jet, Jet Reno. Yeah. yeah, okay, yeah. Um, because the character has been far too acerbic, and just a Starfleet officer is not going to talk that way to their superiors. However, mm-hmm. this is the first episode that I have actually enjoyed the Reno character because I thought that they demonstrated Reno's excellence at being an engineer first. Yes, and the comments were just. They were so under the radar, but yet still very stinging and very funny. I actually laughed out loud a couple of times at some of Reno's responses. 
I thought that this was the best use of the character, the best dialogue for the character so far. So my hat's off to Kyle Jarrow for this one because yeah. I, I thought that when you write the character this way, it really works. Yeah, I agree. And and who knows, maybe spoiler alert, maybe our words of wisdom this week might come from that engineer. Just saying. Anyway, um, I, I, one thing I also wanted to bring up in regards to this week's episode, and then Kyle, uh, uh, Casey, I want to hear from you. Uh, I think David Cronenberg stole the show this week. A lot of people have not talked about the scene, but that was my favorite scene of the entire episode. As great as this episode was with, with Mr. Grey Eyes and, 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 and Sean Doyle and all the guest stars that we had, that scene between Culber and Cronenberg was fantastic. I, I love the deadpan and the in-your-face, say-it-like-it-is seriousness of Kovic. He doesn't care who he offends or who he pisses off, and I love that. I wish more people were like him. Um, you know, Hugh... Hugh's having a hard time and he asked for it and he got it and he got it. He got punched right in the face with, with what Kovic had to say. And I loved it. I thought it was great. Casey, what do you got? Well, as Kyle, my conjoined twin would say, Kyle. <laughs> absolutely. Cause when you, when you think about this, it is, and part of this, I also associate with Tarka is it's just flat out. Some of it is ego but these characters have the accomplishment to back up what's going on. So this is kind of like, guess what? If I'm having a heart attack and the doctor who's going to go in and save me is a jackass in real life, I don't care as long as he saves me. And, you know, then if it's, you know, bedside manner afterwards of like, hey, you're an idiot. You, you were eating poorly. You didn't exercise. You didn't do this. You need to do this, this, and this, and then you'll live. You know, don't waste my time if you're not going to do something else. Um, and I dig that in characters as well. And and come on, Cronenberg, he, he's the director. He knows what's going on. And it's just these this peppering of gold throughout episodes with characters. <laughs> That's a good way just, to put it. Right? Where you're just like, God dang, that was fantastic. Yeah. I want to cosplay as Kovic. Sometime. I love the outfit. I love the tie. I love the glasses. I can't wait to see the wig you have to buy. I'm going to have to get a wig. Yes, thank you very much. Yeah. I appreciate that, Bill. You're welcome. <laughs> hey, the other thing I wanted to say about this week's episode, which I really liked, it was small, and some people might say, oh, God, it was a little too much. I like the callbacks. The USS Janeway, I thought mm-hmm. was cool. And Admiral Vance talking about the Metrons and the Nassine and the Iconians and the Q Continuum. I thought that was all great. That 900 years in the future, they still have these things that they're concerned about slash worried about keeping on their radar i thought that was all all really good stuff we haven't talked about probably one thing that i think we are all in agreement about and that's felix um wow i i I don't i don't even know where to begin with this it was just uh, michael gray eyes just did a phenomenal job i have not seen anything else he has ever been in but i can tell you i'm going to be watching true detective season three and i'm going to be watching all these other things that people on twitter have been talking about that he has been in he was phenomenal he was he was only in the episode what maybe 15 minutes 20 minutes tops Mm. and and he was just absolutely amazing what a great what a great character. What a great portrayal of him, Bill. And I, I'm really sad that I don't think we will ever see him again as that character, obviously, unless there's some kind of weird thing that happens, which could always happen in Star Trek. But he was phenomenal. It, um, it, it was very overwhelming 
I remember watching the episode the first time and just feeling a whole lot of emotion based on, you know, the the guilt that this character, you know, lives with and, and chooses to bear. Um, I it just, it, you know, Sarah, last week, I think it was off mic, you told us you couldn't wait for, you know, for this, to talk about this week's episode because of, of Michael Gray eyes. And I said, okay, all right, cool. I'll watch it. Now I understand why, because this actor just did a phenomenal job. I literally was blown away. Mm-hmm. Um, and to the point where I still have a hard time talking about it because I think his performance really just touched me that much. Yeah, Canadian treasure right there. I mean, he's yeah. a phenomenal actor. I, I loved him from uh, Fear of the Walking Dead, Rutherford Falls, True Detective. Uh, he's outstanding. And to see him join into the world of Star Trek was such oh, like such a nice surprise. And I wish that there was a way that we could just say, and here's uh, a character we're going to see more of. But nope, unless we all just demand loudly, we want a whole side movie about his whole backstory. <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> I, I'm up for that. Yep. I'm, I'm, I'm in. I'm voting for that. I'll right sign now. it. Absolutely. I'll sign a petition. There you go. <laughs> yep. And, and, and just the scene, I mean, it was, it was the last scene, but I thought it was done right of seeing him standing there on the colony surface, uh, Casey, as the light from that sun was coming and he was, and he was killed. I, it was, it, even the scenes where he didn't say anything, they were strong scenes from him. It's a beautiful episode. Yeah. Visually, emotionally, story-wise. I mean, everything that's going on, we've got, think about how everybody, almost everybody in this episode is emotionally compromised in some way or another. And so we got it with Booker, Felix, Saru, Colbert, Tarka, Zora, even okay it's and it's just yeah that you know golden glow at the end as he is accepting his fate and it was just like oh yeah this episode's gonna stick out in trek lore for quite some time yeah absolutely agreed fantastic episode the trek geeks podcast network is proud to have fansets as its presenting sponsor Their love of Trek can be seen in every single Star Trek pin they produce, and with over 400 pins to select from, and new pins being added every single month, you are sure to find whatever you're looking for to add to your collection. Whether it's one of the amazing Deltas from your favorite Trek series, a beloved character, or maybe even a special edition collector set, you know that Fansets pins are made with the finest quality and come with the best customer service in the industry. So head on over to fansets.com today, check out all of their amazing pins from all the different genres they represent, start by adding a bunch of pins, accessories, or even gift cards to your shopping cart, and at checkout, enter discount code word DISCOVERINGTREK for an amazing 10% off your entire order. That's DISCOVERINGTREK in all capital letters with no spaces for 10% off your fansets.com purchase. And don't forget, if you're in the United States and spend more than $30, you're also going to get free shipping. Fansets. Our pins have character. And we thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Of all the souls I have encountered in my travels, his was the most human Well, Star Trek has always been a reflection of our times, and in this segment, as we do every week, we're going to take a look at what this episode helped us discover about humanity, or perhaps even what it tells us about ourselves. And I'm going to go ahead and start this week. And and the thing that struck out, that stuck out for me this week, was guilt, and not 
Felix's guilt. It's not what I'm going to focus on. Guilt sucks and it can consume you. It consumed me for the better part of 20 years. It sucked every aspect out of my will. And my guilt was nothing like the guilt that Culber was facing uh, in this week's episode. Think of it. Kovic was right. The survivor's guilt that Culber is facing is infinitely worse than anything anyone else has ever faced. Middle finger to everyone who has ever lost someone, which is everyone indeed. Great quote right, by, uh, by the Kovic this week. But Culber knew he had to talk to someone, even if it was the most deadpanned and lay out the facts person possible. And I, I can credit him for that. Look, when you feel guilty about something that you've done, it's pretty much impossible to be talked out of that guilt. But at least talking to someone is a first step. The scene between Culber and Kovic was a small scene in this week's episode, but it spoke volumes to the characters of both Culber, Kovic, and with me as well. Seek out help when you're at a low point because, as we've seen, chances are someone feels lower than you do, even if it feels like a complete impossibility. Now, if you'll excuse me, I do have a two o'clock meeting. So, Bill. Oh, thank you. You know, I'm, uh, mine is brief this week, and that's because I kept coming back to one main point. In this colony, individuals are made examples to the rest of their society and incarcerated for even seemingly minor transgressions. The prisoners say that's not justice, and they're right. And this boils down to the fact that justice that serves only the powerful and those in power is not justice at all. It's tyranny. And it's something that we see here in America every single day. Sarah? Um, I, I, f- I find that a lot of the episodes of Discovery to be a very emotional episodes more than um, other Star Trek series. And this one, in my opinion, covered a huge span of emotions that I'm really seeing being felt by people everywhere in the world right now because of COVID-19. Because um, there's such just different, different ways that we're all approaching it and dealing with it and different roles we play. Um, I know people working on the front lines of, of, the, of the COVID fight. And I saw that in a lot of this. I mean, Book is angry. He's in fight mode. He wants answers. He wants justice. He's trying to save people, but he's dancing near that line of being selfish or vengeful almost. Is it helpful? Is it harmful? And then you have Culber, who's exhausted and overwhelmed, short-staffed. He's holding on for dear life, trying to help everyone but himself, like nurses and doctors who are working tirelessly to save those that believe in what they do and those that laugh in the face of what they're trying to do. And then you have Stamets and Tarka just pushing boundaries, aiming for breakthroughs that could save lives, the passion and determination that can come too close to danger. And then you have Zora facing emotions for the first time or new emotions, trying to comprehend how to respond and relate to others. And Felix, who's just fighting to save others and demanding justice in the in the meantime. It's just like... It's so much that it represents the mood of the world, in my opinion, and it was exhausting to watch, but it was a little comforting, too, because it's just, you know, feeling it with other people. Well said. Casey? Well, everyone's tired. On the show, they're tired. In real life, we're tired, exhausted, running on fumes, while some are trying their best to look out for others, while some are only looking out for themselves. I mean, what, what is the point where we can no longer bend and we break? You know, some are carrying the burden for previous actions in their life, but accept that they need to own that burden and accept it as part of their penance. You don't get to hurt others and then whisper an I'm sorry to the universe and everything's hunky-dory. You don't get to decide if you hurt someone else. They decide that. 
one must accept the consequences of their actions and how it affects others and then take responsibility. I mean, on the show, The Boys, Homelander thinks he can get into heaven by only saying a silent apology to God. Instead of changing his actions, he continues to hurt others because it doesn't accept responsibility for any of his actions. You know, in real life, I, I hear people saying, well, if it doesn't affect me, it doesn't exist. That's horse crap. What affects others affects all of us in some way, directly or indirectly. And it's exhausting to deal with people who think that the rules don't apply to them. And I think we're all tired and we all need a break. Commendations, palm leaf of Axanar Peace Mission, Grand Kite Order of Tactics, Class of Excellence, Prenteris Ribbon of Commendation. All right, boys and girls, it's time for some awards. It's Starfleet Commendations time. Um, what were your favorite moments or favorite people uh, in this week's episode? Uh, the examples. And uh, Bill, why don't you make an example out of all of us and tell us what you had this week? I'm sorry, I was coughing. Did you say me? Yeah, I did. Okay, sorry about that. That's <laughs> um, okay. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go in a slightly different order than I have on the page. Uh, first off, uh, my first commendation of the week goes to Sean Doyle. Uh, tarka, Tarka, Tarka. <laughs> I mean, I just, I, I, he loves him. I love him. Um, that's really what it comes down to. I'm not sure if I like him though. And that's yes. really what remains to be seen. Uh, my second combination of the week has to go to Michael Gray eyes. Um, such a powerful and impactful performance. And, uh, I don't know that that part resonates nearly as well with a different actor, which I think is probably the highest compliment I can give him in this case. And then lastly, my, my largest commendation of the week has to go to writer Kyle Jarrow. Kyle has created a script here that speaks to the very heart of Star Trek while also doing a great job advancing Discovery's arc for the season and also some amazing character development. So a uh, fantastic job from Kyle. I can't wait to, uh, to see more from him. Yeah, I'm in total agreement, almost 100% with you, man. I also gave uh, a commendation to Sean Doyle. I loved his love of himself, like you just said. I thought that was great. I like how he brings his own liquor into the forward lounge. I thought that was pretty cool, too. Um, I, I like that he's Rysian. I don't think we've ever had a, a character from Risa that wasn't on Risa. So I thought that was kind of cool. Um, he did a great job. And and as with you, Michael Gray Eyes was just, I, I cannot say enough about his performance and somebody on twitter when i i talked about how awesome it was says that i must have had too much sugar today because it, i was like way over exaggerating no what? no i wasn't the the he did that good a job and yeah. I, I mean like emmy good i mean it was he was perfect in this role and and because of this episode i'm gonna start watching stuff that he was in just because he's that good at his craft um and the third commendation i have this week is going to be david cronenberg i love the character of kovich i want to see more about him if there is a section 31 series i hope he is somehow involved um it would be great to see him on a regular basis um i can't get me enough kovich um so bring him back some more those are my accommodations uh, for the week sarah what do you have um, because no one's mentioned it yet. Uh, Michael Gray Eyes. Um, hello. <laughs> Did you guys not pay attention? No. I mean, oh, how, what? <laughs> right? How can you not? I, I just, it's, it speaks for itself. And, and I, I, I'm a fan. I, I was, I was a fan going in. I'm a fan coming out. Uh, love it. Just, yeah. Emmy, Emmy worthy in my opinion too. I don't think that that's stretching at all, Dan. Uh, Sean Doyle, fantastic new addition. Uh, 
yeah, cheeky. And I like that. I like cheeky. <laughs> and he's definitely cheeky. And then my other one is, it was a small scene, but it was a scene that hit me. And it, it's Annabelle Wallace, the voice of Zara. That little moment, you, you, it's mm-hmm. acting in mm-hmm. that voice, and that's not easy to do. Mm-hmm. And I felt it. And I, ooh. Where's that Something's going to happen with this. Bit. They didn't put that there for oh, anything. Yeah. Yeah. They did, there's a reason. Oh, yeah. That's going to be great to see what happens. Yeah. Casey, what do you have for your commendations, my friend? I, I have one commendation. One. one. Worked hard, But huh? it, it's split for two people. Well, I have one and Kyle has one, my twin. So <laughs> we actually have <laughs> two. I'm going to live that down. No, you're not. <laughs> um, casting directors, Orly Sidowitz and Marjorie Simkin. They and their associates do such a freaking stellar job of bringing in amazing, wonderful, talented actors for these roles. It's like there, there is no waste in this. It isn't like, oh, this is a small role. Eh, we'll get what we get. They are really diving in to make this as uh, special, deep, strong of a series as possible. And I commend them on that because it's like, oh, who's coming in the guest star? There hasn't been a guest star where you go, oh, that was pure. They Mm. just keep working it. And I I love that because that shows another attention to detail, you know, in the background, behind the camera, where they're going to go, we're going to make this the best we can possibly do every dang week. Absolutely. 100% agreement. The other thing I'd like to throw out there is the makeup people, because I don't know what that thing was sitting at the helm station uh, on Discovery this week. I know we've seen them in one of the other movies, but man, that's some good makeup on that thing, whatever it is. I thought that was you. Yeah. Moving the along. jowls look the same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sarah, don't, don't laugh. Don't, don't help them. Wow, this way to some, control your people. Nice this is some funny stuff Casey and I are laying down. Just let it let stuff. it breathe. Right, that is funny. Anyway, well, <laughs> it, it in all seriousness, it's going to be hard to top this week's episode, guys. It was it was really that good. A great set of stories, and the acting and guest stars was just over the top. So, uh, Casey, it's going to be tough, but uh, you think they can do it next week? And what's coming up next week? Oh gosh, I'm looking forward to it because next week, Dan, looking for answers, the USS Discovery Venture into a subspace rift created by the dark matter anomaly while Booker faces a strange visitor from his past. It's episode six, Stormy Weather, and we will break it all down next week. Until then, remember that you can subscribe to Discovering Trek by searching for us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or by heading to discoveringtrek.com. If you enjoy what we're doing here on Discovering Trek and the Trek Geeks Podcast Network, please consider supporting us on Patreon. As a subscriber, you can get access to the unedited recordings of episodes, as well as exclusive content and great subscriber rewards like our annual supporters pins and our exclusive Trek Geeks Podcast Network t-shirt, along with other things. We'd like to take a moment to recognize the following amazing producers of Discovering Trek, and we are truly so grateful for their support. Mike Bovia, Chaz Bradshaw, Kyle Castillo, Peter Craig, Andy Davenport, Craig Ewing, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Kimberly Hartman, David Hood, Lionel Marchand, Matt McGonigal, Jim McMahon, Darren Metcalf, Charlie Mulvey, Sean O'Halloran, Jamie Rogers, Casey Shafsky, Jim Stoffel, Chris Trebuzio, Ken Tripp, Christina Werther, and the lovely and talented Jess Vashon. If you would like to become a producer of Discovering Trek or even get access to the raw audio for Discovering Trek episodes, head on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks today for all the details.
Well, as always, a special thanks to Bill, Casey, and Sarah for a great discussion this week about a great episode. What did you think about uh, the examples, and what did you think of our discussion? Hit us up on Twitter and give us your thoughts. We are at Discovering Trek, and we would love to hear from you. And that's going to do it for this week in our discussion of Episode 5, The Examples. As always, we want to thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to listen to us talk about Star Trek Discovery each and every week. We're so glad we're here, and we wouldn't be here without your support, and we thank you so very much. As Casey mentioned earlier, we will be back next week to talk all about Episode 6, Stormy Weather. But until then, here are some words of wisdom from Jet Reno. Go slow. The more you feed the monster, the more you need the cage. And until next week, never stop discovering. Music for Discovering Trek is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing an original song for each episode of Star Trek. Hear more of their music at fiveyearmission.net. Discovering Trek is a production of Coconut Media Works, executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app.